hey, guess what? You listen to the Cracked Podcast. And you know what? That makes you awesome. That makes you somebody with something to say, something to give, something to celebrate in front of the world online. So why don't you build yourself a website to do it with Squarespace? They let you showcase your work, blog or publish content, even sell products and services of all kinds in just a few clicks. You can customize everything about it using beautiful templates created by world-class designers, and there's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. So head to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code CRACKED to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Hey there, folks. Welcome to another episode of the Cracked Podcast, the podcast all about why being alive is more interesting than people think it is. My name is Alex Schmidt, and I'm the head of podcasting here at Cracked. I am also known as Schmitty the Clam, and I am also, also glad that Coco won Best Animated Feature at the Oscars. Yeah, Pixar's Coco. Do you, do you guys remember the Oscars slightly earlier this month? If you missed them, quick recap. They gave a fish rom-com a billion awards. They gave one guy a jet ski. They took my favorite category, best animated short, and handed it to Kobe Bryant, even though he has nothing on the barrier-breaking Michael Jordan Bugs Bunny Toon Squad of the 90s. But I feel strongest about Coco winning best animated feature, because here's what today's podcast is all about secretly terrifying plots and characters in movies. It turns out that one reason life is more interesting than we all tend to think it is, is that all of America can watch a movie full of objectively terrifying plots and characters and canon and say, oh yeah, that was fun. You know, all the lights and colors just wash over us or something. We'll just accept madness from our films. And that's particularly true of two children's animated films that we'll talk about at the top of the show. One of them is The Emoji Movie, and the other is The Boss Baby. And I don't know if you know this, but The Boss Baby, Oscar-nominated this year, lost to Coco, but it almost won an award that would have put a lot more kids in front of the scariest movie I saw this year. We'll talk about why. It's great. Also, so you know where our heads are at when we tape this, we taped this show before the Oscars happened, so we don't know who won, and we taped it right before the wide release of Black Panther, so only the critics on the panel had seen it. And speaking of our panel, we've got full-on film critics on this show, we've got cracked writers, and I will introduce all of them from the live stage at UCB Sunset momentarily. Please just know how glad I am they're on the show. What a group. So, please sit back, or sit with your arm around your shape of water fish man husband, and maybe your other arm cradling your corporate executive boss baby. Every family's different. I don't judge love. Whatever way, enjoy this episode of The Cracked Podcast with Dan Hopper, Dave Schilling, Amy Nicholson, and our live UCB audience. I'll be back after we wrap up. Talk to you then. Holy cow, guys, we're doing it. Welcome to the Crack Podcast Live. Thank you for coming out. My name's Alex Schmidt. And uh, give yourselves a round of applause for being the best. Yes. That proves you're the best. Uh, we, uh, we have a heck of a fun show tonight, uh, a great panel, and also a really fun topic. Because movies are a thing people like. And we're talking all about the secretly terrifying movie 
plots and characters and like universe canon that is just out there and I guess nobody noticed when the movies came out. Uh, let's bring out a panel to get into it. First up, you know him from Cracked, from College Humor, from Best Week Ever and more. Please warmly welcome Dan Hopper. Dan Hopper, everybody. Hey. Hi, everyone. Yeah. Next up, uh, she is a film critic for Variety and the host of Earwolf's The Canon. We're so happy to have her. Please put your hands together for Amy Nicholson. <laughs> yeah. Hi, guys. Hello. Thanks Hi. for being here. Um, and let's, uh, let's uh, keep on going with, uh, you know him from Bleacher Report, previously Grantland, and, uh, and you also see him on Super Deluxe, the very funny Dave Schilling. Dave Schilling, guys. All right. Let's, uh, guys, let's get into some movies that are uh, just absolutely bonkers. Because I always, I always like to start, whenever we do a movie show, I feel like, let's start with the finest cinema, right? Let's start with the peak of the art form, the best movies. And uh, Dave, you, you have a theory about the Emoji movie. That's right, this I is... do. Uh, has anybody seen though? the film? <laughs> oh, no. It was a summer blockbuster. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Get out there, enjoy yourselves. Woo. Jeez. <laughs> it's a young boy, he has a cell phone, and inside the cell phone is a magical world where emojis live and, and go about their business and they have jobs. Everyone's job in emoji world is to be an emoji in your cell phone, to be basically shot out of a cannon into your phone and then you do the face and then you go back to your life. So essentially it's... Uh, it's, you're, you're trapped in this job. Sort of like all of us are trapped here. <laughs> and, well, and you're trapped with a certain emotion. Like if you are winky face, you are always winky face and you can't be like wide open face, you can't be happy, you can't be anything. Yeah, it's, there's no freedom. But there's one emoji who is destined to be the meh emoji, the, you know, I'm not interested in anything emoji. And he decides, I don't want to be meh. I have a lot of emotions to share with the world, and I want to, you know, be myself. I want to be my own emoji. And so he's in incapable of doing the emotion that his job is. So he is targeted for deletion from the phone, which essentially means you're being killed. He's wow. going to be executed yeah. for not being able to be less excited, <laughs> which is remarkable to me. There is a very, very stringent issue here, or, or structure to the world, and so he runs off to try to find a way to change himself so that he can be a better emoji. Um, <laughs> at, at, at the end, at the end of the film. The phone is going to be updated or, or wiped and rebooted. You know, you're going to, what's the factory reset? You're going to factory reset yeah, yeah. the phone because it's malfunctioning because all of the hijinks are happening inside the phone <laughs> that you see in the movie. There's actually multiple scenes in this film where they have to play various iPhone games. There's a Candy Crush scene, and if you don't like, win Candy Crush, you die. This, this is paid product placement in this movie. Sounds kind of, it sounds kind of badass, right? It's a pretty, I, don't know if you're, I can't tell if you're ripping on it or like. No, really I'm not being sarcastic. <laughs> this is a very good movie. <laughs> <laughs> so the phone is going to be wiped, which means the entire world that you've seen, everyone's going to die. The phone does get wiped for about 25 seconds, right? Like there's a point in the movie where the phone has been reset. 
So everyone has died in this world. Like, basically, he's been so bad at having a flat personality that he got his parents killed. He got, like, the girl he has a crush on killed. Like, he's destroyed the entire world. And I remember <laughs> seeing your face when we walked out of this movie. And met is not the correct expression. It was more like the bug eye emoji with the horrified expression. It was, it was uh, fear for the future of the planet. That's yeah. what that emo- emotion was. There's no emoji for that, is there? Just, I like, th- existential dread. Is there an emoji for that? <laughs> Can I have I, the Samsung you? that has the emoji with like the face that's screaming and then a ghost coming out of its own mouth and it's like this most horrific emoji that no other phone has? You were oh. close to that one. So that's oh how God. I felt after yeah. Trump was elected. Yeah, your soul okay, is leaving it. your body emoji. That's a very handy emoji to have right now. So it, everybody comes back after 25 seconds or a minute or whatever it was, which makes me think that these people or these emojis all died and came back, or they didn't come back at all, and this is purgatory, yeah. like in Lost, where they are dead, but you know they think that heaven is just the, the horrible <laughs> existence that they lived in for the entirety of their lives. It's a very bleak movie when you think about it. Just the concept that a phone is full of living beings that I'm responsible for, I don't, I don't want to live in the world of Like a movie, Tamagotchi? You know? You didn't have a Tamagotchi when you were a youngster? I couldn't take it. I couldn't do it. Too no, I, I didn't have one. I, yeah. But does this imply, though, that anytime any phone is getting updated, you're just mass slaughtering? Like yeah, you're tens killing of a thousands lot of, of sentient beings. Just killing every animal, every like little pig and goose, and then all the flags of the world or what? Like every emoji just to like go to like iOS 3, like, like one like, little difference. <laughs> Another thing that's important to note in this movie is that there's a club for the best emojis in Emoji World. <laughs> it's, a, it's a velvet rope club where they have cocktails and they have parties and there's food, like finger sandwiches are passed around and whatnot. <laughs> okay. So there's a very strict hierarchy in this society where there's classes. There's a class system for emojis. <laughs> that bothers me. That really bothers me. At the end, though, they all get to go into the club. So it's like they've, they've <laughs> so it broken becomes... down the, the Berlin Wall between the, the high-class emojis and the proletariat emojis. It's a deep movie, guys. But then it would, they would make the club uncool, though, and then, you know... That's hell! Sun... <laughs> That's hell! But then a... sunglasses emoji would go to like some even cooler club, and then it'd be more exclusive. There's only one so... club. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> hell is a lame club, if you ask me. That's I mean, what I think. You're talking about this like this is necessarily a bad thing, but I think the idea that I could walk around and be the god of a small country... I find that tremendous. Like, I feel very powerless in my day-to-day life. And the ability to kill everything in the flags of the world, I mean, there's a flip side where that's kind of awesome. And a lot of people have tried to do that over the history of the planet. So when you're deciding whether or not (laughs) to delete your Dropbox app because you don't have enough space, remember, that app has a family. (laughs) Yeah. What do you guys think it's like being an app that's just getting updated to the next one? Like, is it like the fly where like you're growing new parts all of a sudden and you don't know like what's going on? It's a Cronenberg film. Yeah. 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 Can you imagine the Cronenberg emoji movie? But it's like not CGI. It's just like weird puppets. Oh man! And they throw up stuff. That'd be cool. I think it's a, it's a scene from like every Civil War movie where they're just like sawing limbs. It's just like ah no no, and it's just like. Now Dropbox is updated. It's just like a horrifying <laughs> oh thing. Oh my lord. Like, this is for your own good. Some doctor with like a cigar kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't like to watch trailers before things before I go see the movie because I don't want to Because you're a professional critic. I try. But 
I had this idea until the Emoji Movie literally started that it might be a non-verbal movie told only in pictograms, like it was hieroglyphic. <laughs> I thought it might, like, I genuinely had these hopes it would break down what I thought a film was and turn it into this <laughs> brand new idea. And then when it had a plot, I was so bummed out. Like, I thought it might be, you know how they do, like, movie plots in emoji form? I was prepared for anything. Wow. That's a really cool idea for a movie, actually. Someone should do that. Someone yeah. should just leave and make that, right? Or stay to the end of the podcast and then go make that. I'm well, confident. let's make that movie, guys. Why are we here? <laughs> <laughs> let's make the film. This is the land of dreams, isn't it? Yeah. I want to talk about an uh, upcoming Oscar-nominated film called uh, The Boss Baby. The Boss Baby yep. <laughs> is uh, a Oscar-nominated film. We're taking down all the sacred cows tonight. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care so. who said I don't care what. Who, <laughs> like, who we're pissing off tonight. <laughs> Alex, are you bringing this up because I am literally the only fan of The Boss Baby that I know of? Is this like solely to humiliate me and make me admit it in front of people? I am very cruel. I am middling on it. I didn't know you love it. Because I expected The Boss Baby to be... Sort of like I expected the emoji movie to be just pretty straightforward. There are emojis, although I love the idea of it being uh, art. But anyway, um, the boss baby, I figured it would be like just a baby who's a boss, you know? That would pretty much be it. And it opens with this crazy like cosmology, right? Like it's, it's this thing where we are in sort of a stock non-religious heaven. It's like clouds and a lot of shoots and systems. And then it turns out that the way the world works is a baby is born and it's put through a machine which tickles the baby and then if the baby laughs it is placed with and this is from the dreamworks wikia uh, it is placed with a loving family if not tickled the baby will be sent to the management section and trained to become a worker of the organization <laughs> so wait what organization are we talking about excellent question it's called baby corp <laughs> and baby corp is a business that exists to make sure that babies are seen as the cutest thing in the world. And it's existed since the year 100,000 BC. At, I know. And what, what are the implications here for Christ then? When he was right. born, when he was born, he, he, he capital H for the Lord. <laughs> Thank you. Did he get tickled? Did the I, Lord get tickled? I know Boss Baby 2 is on the way, and I hope we find out. You know, like. It's a prequel. It's a prequel. I, that's good. Okay. Or it's one of those things, he like laughs so much, they're like, we've never seen a child laugh. Like, this, <laughs> this child is special. And, that's like, and it's like the foreshadowing where everyone in the crowd is like, I know what baby that is. Like, <laughs> it's like very clear, like wink to the audience. <laughs> I feel like he does something magical with the, fe the feather, like Forrest Gump style. Like he takes the feather and it transcends the whole world and it like becomes as big as a cloud or it starts to float to earth. He's got to do something powerful with that. Yeah. yeah, like the Boss Baby Baby Corp is going up against Puppy Corp. Yes. Uh, because they're competing for the love of, of humans. Like who are humans going to love more, puppies or babies? And there's like right. marketers and people who have a lot of money on the line, people developing new puppies. I mean, it's very intense. That's exactly what this world is. It's like there are these, these thousands of years old corporations that are battling to determine what humans think is cute. And like, like the survival of humanity depends on it, I think. Because if suddenly puppies are more important than babies, we all stop procreating or something, right? Mm -hmm. And this was, this was a movie for children about a boss baby. What? What are they doing? <laughs> Why? So, so is there, does this imply like in 90,000 BC, yeah. there is like... Mesopotamian nomads going on, but also Baby Corp was like intact and I like think doing like, the tickle thing? Or did they have some like proto like 
old tickle machine that was like predates industry or like yeah based on the years i think it's like the ice age or neanderthals or something wandering around with oh their babies gosh. being uh sorted and then some of them have to go work in jobs forever if they're not ticklish that's how it works it's Arche- crazy archaeologists find like like pieces of like a clay proto tickle machine from like some <laughs> really early baby civilization or something like that. This well, movie clearly. sounds awesome. Yeah, and also and we have more movies to tackle, but also later in the show, uh, and this is one of my favorite things about the live ones. If you have any movies where you say to yourself, "Oh, the the plot or the cosmology of this movie is insane," you can tell us about it. We've got a mic over there, and later we'll uh, invite you to bring in movies. So think about that as we go. In the meantime, Dan, you picked out you and some other writers did an article for Cracked Five movies where everyone ignores the huge actual problem and you guys picked out Indiana Jones and the, the whole franchise of that as being uh, they're very focused on like the treasure hunting but there's so much other stuff going on yeah well every Indiana Jones movie reconfirms that all religions are literally true and like <laughs> magic is happening and society just keeps on functioning like it's not that big of a deal yeah the first movie it's like oh my god like you know the ark of the covenant just destroyed all these people and then the second movie it's like all right like back to you know it's a prequel that's a pre indiana jones the temple of doom is a prequel to raiders of the lost the third one's still the same thing yes okay i will grant you that there's a line there's a line at the beginning of uh last crusade where uh, the guy comes to Indiana Jones and he's like telling him about like they found the diary and like this could lead to the Holy Grail and Indiana Jones is like the Arthurian legend. <laughs> I've heard this bedtime story before. <laughs> it's like, dude, you just witnessed two movies of like magical shit, like destroying people yeah. in front of you, and then he's like, that was probably the beginning and end of magic. I'm back to like skeptical archaeologist. <laughs> can, can can we reference also Indiana Jones, Young Indiana Jones Chronicles? Because then oh, he's please. seen he's seen everything. Oh. He's been through it all, and this guy's like. Nah. But you know what? Agent Scully from the X-Files has yeah, the same, same problem. The same thing, yeah. You've seen <laughs> monsters <laughs> yeah. and aliens and weird goblins coming out of toilets and <laughs> incest. All kinds of things. <laughs> all like, kinds of horrors. And like, you're like, nah, there's no way aliens are real. Yeah, we, we were inside that plant that made us dream like realistically, but like, I'm pretty sure this new case is not magic. No, <laughs> there's like, that's this time, like not season nine of the possible. X-Files. She's like, oh, it's probably not alien stuff. I don't know. Let's just get to the part where it's the aliens. Like, yeah, can just we like just get to this lip aliens. service to be like skeptical? But like also in Indiana Jones, though, in the second one, there's this crazy cult that, you know, worships the uh, Kalima is the god. I forget the guy. The thuggy name. cult. The thuggy the, cult who were real, right? That's they, a real cult. Yeah, yeah. they show yeah. up in like Gunga Din there. He rips someone's heart out and it's beating in front of them. The guy's still alive. <laughs> he rips it out with his hands. Then they sacrifice him in this pit of fire and the heart catches on fire in his hands. So like this guy can do magic. He has met, or the God, he can literally summon the God who can do literal magic. So like the cult is like correct to be in (laughs) awe of this, right? Yeah, it's pretty tight. This isn't like some brainwashed, crazy religious, you know, they're like, that's just a rational response to like witnessing an actual miracle. They're like, wow, this is, this God is real and this guy can summon it. Like, why wouldn't we follow this guy? Like, it's just logical, right? 
yeah, if anything, they need to do more missionary work. Yeah. You know? yeah. Like nobody knows <laughs> but them in that little out. place. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe yeah. a Super Bowl commercial would help. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Just something to change the narrative. I read an analysis of the trilogy once on a Christian website that said when you put them in the correct order, as you pointed out, like two, one, three, that the Indiana Jones franchise backs up their view of religion and that he progresses from like the quote unquote like tribal primal, I'm doing a lot of air quotes right now, like religions up through the Judaism, up through Christianity, and then realizes that like the Holy Grail is like the one true thing and that that's where he stops. Oh, then aliens, I guess aliens after <laughs> right. that, like you get and to Christianity and then, aliens. Yeah, yeah. The natural, the next logical so, steps. Yeah. I also, I like that in all these previous movies and like you said with young Indiana Jones, his entire childhood every week, uh, he has all these encounters with gods and then in the fourth movie he's like, Aliens, where it's just beings from another world? No way. <laughs> what? Yeah. Well, that's the most believable thing he's ever dealt with. Well, they're technically interdimensional creatures. They're not oh. from another planet. They're from another dimension. Well, can you imagine that Indiana Jones, who <laughs> like right. is affected by these things, and actually by the time he gets to the fourth Indiana Jones, he just believes in everything at this point, and he does a lot of like yoga, and he believes in <laughs> crystals, and like literally anything, like he just believes it all. Like he's got one of those Echo Park bedrooms with like tarot cards everywhere. Like he's just that dude now. No, I think he voted for Nixon. <laughs> I think he was a big Nixon guy. <laughs> He's like, yeah, you know what? Our problem is race mixing. That's Indiana what? Jones. <laughs> I think he was probably... I, I don't think he was a liberal fella. I think he was like a straight arrow Republican. <laughs> Get the high and tight haircut. He's like Hank Hill from King of the Hill or something. Doesn't understand these newfangled kids and their rock music. It would, it would be... I don't know what that reaction was. One of the newfangled kids is here. <laughs> I love the idea that his two issues are like, no gods are real, and I don't know, fiscal conservatism, or whatever, whatever Nixon's <laughs> Supply thing side like economics. super specific. Law but. and order. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, I mean, not to liken him too much to like Judge Roy Moore, but isn't there a thing where if you do the math... Whoa, how did we get with, here, guys? With Marion Ravenwood, you know, when he shows up, she's like, I haven't seen you and I get the number wrong, but like 10, 12 years. And if you do the math, she would have been dating him when she was 13 or 14. Oh, dear God. Right. Yeah, when you oh, do yeah. the math on their relationship, it's incredibly creepy. Well, how old was Marion supposed to be? I think in the script, it's like, I think the actress was older than the person in the script, but I think the person in the script was like 24 or 25. Ooh. And so I think he, she dated him when she was a teenager, Ooh. early yeah, teenager. Yeah, that is, that is how the canon lays out. I don't remember the ages exactly, but yeah. Well, the yeah, first scene in the first movie is like all the students like kind of hitting on him, like pretty obviously too. And it's yeah. like, You think that's obvious? I mean, it's just writing, I love you yeah, on your yeah. eyelids. Like that's pretty, I mean, that's like base one. Yeah. Uh, Indiana Jones did wear a fedora, so maybe he was an MRA. I don't know. <laughs> Amy, when we prepped this, you were talking about Chosen One movies a lot, because there's a lot of messianic stuff in that, and, and uh, The Matrix being one example, but you picked out an interesting undercurrent with all those, which is what that means for everyone else in the world. Well, yeah, I mean, as a film critic, I really hate Chosen One movies for the most part, like, in yeah. part because they're boring. Like, if you're chosen, you're going to figure it out. Like, there's never been a Chosen One movie where they totally fail, and they're like, well, then... We're hopeless now. The one person who's supposed to do this can't do it, and this is just how we live now forever. 
Uh, which is why I liked that, you know, I liked the, like the new Star Wars Last Jedi kind of blew that up a little bit and was like, Ray is not a chosen one. I mean, the double down on the chosen ones I hate is when somebody is like a chosen one because it's in their DNA. When it's right. like, you're just born mm-hmm. to be the chosen one because your dad did something great like 30 years ago. Like all of that just drives me insane, you know, because mainly it's like depressing to think about what happens if you're just born around them. If you're not anybody special, like if you're just somebody born into the Matrix world and Neo has been programmed from birth, really, like he was programmed to be able to save everyone. That means you literally can't do anything to help. Like you're just stuck on the sidelines. <laughs> like yeah. if he doesn't get this right, you have no future. Like you have no promise. The idea of being that passive in these worlds really freaks me out. So all Chosen One movies make me so paranoid because it, there's like this existential hopelessness. I just put myself in the mind of like all the background characters. <laughs> like Neo's like storming by and there's just a guy drinking coffee and that guy can do nothing. Like he can't help. He is, he is not born into it and that's so depressing. But everyone is yeah. supposed to identify with the, the chosen one character, which is kind of weird because we can't, like you said, all be the chosen person yeah, in the one. story. There's not a chosen two even. It's like there's one. But that's what's so terrible about American society is because we all think, oh, no, this is my story, and I need to get mine and fuck everybody else. Right. <laughs> not to bring everybody down, but that's not true. <laughs> uh, and uh, did anybody else like The Last Jedi? Anybody in here? I liked it. <laughs> yeah. I loved it. I, was I thought it was it. great. I thought it was yeah. fantastic yeah. for the Agreed. exact reason that you mentioned, because it, it tells a different story, and it says... Okay, sure, she's special, but so is that little kid with the broom. He's special, too. We're all special. Yeah, what exactly. a lovely sentiment. At Cracked, we, at one point, were working on like a video series that was a Star Wars parody, and I think one of the titles that got kicked around was Magic Family, because <laughs> the, the whole original series is one Magic Family, and then the entire universe is just like watching them. That's yeah. their whole role is to watch it happen and maybe be on one of many entire planets that get blown up. And that's all they get to do. <laughs> it's, otherwise, it's like one set of parents and their kids fighting it out with laser swords. That's it. And, and like you say, Last Jedi is awesome because a regular person gets to play too. You know, it's, yeah. it's not just them. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't walk out of the Matrix feeling hopeful at all. I mean, I know you're not necessarily supposed to anyways, but yeah. I don't walk out of that movie feeling like, oh, I can do anything. And I don't even really feel that way with Wonder Woman or something like that. There's no, yeah. There's nothing they can do to increase or decrease his chances of saving everything. So it's like, I guess we better just you know, hang out until we get saved or don't. It's let's like, let's have a <laughs> rave and have a bunch of sex. <laughs> Reasonable thing to do. That's true. I mean, I guess pressure's off. Yeah, pressure's totally off. Let's just get real gross and greasy oh. and have sex. Yeah, it's almost like everyone in the world knows that's how the world's built. They're like, well, there is absolutely nothing we can do to change our fates. I guess crazy orgy. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Just... I think that was kind of the point of the scene. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that movie's good, too. Shit, all these movies Nihilistic. are good. Yeah. <laughs> Amy, you mentioned Wonder Woman as well. I think that one, it doesn't quite have this chosen one per thing, but how would you guys feel about Wonder Woman? Did you guys enjoy it? How would you like it? I liked it a lot. Yeah. Because I, I, I liked it, and also I thought it had a weird in-universe thing where, because toward the end of it, she's been chasing a, the god Ares this whole time, right? And like, Ares is the cause of all wars. And then they tell her that, no, actually, it's just the way humans are to each other, and like, the world's very complicated, and there's lots of shades of gray. And then, no, it was Ares in the end. <laughs> and like, then there's another turn where, no, it actually, this is a world where random Greek gods cause all wars. 
and no one knows it's happening in their heads. It was bonkers to me. That's an insane universe to build. It's great. Listen, guys, as a cis male ally, I have to say that Wonder Woman was the most important movie of my life. Yes, absolutely. And that I will be uh, <laughs> handing out DVDs after the film just to prove that I'm on your side, ladies. I got your back. If there's a fire, I'll save you first. <laughs> Well, I guess as the lady at the table, it's uh, incumbent on me to say that it was just, it was okay. I could do the men. What? <laughs> do you not love your gender? I mean, some of them. Most of us are great. Like, I mean, to me, like, the, the almost the liberating thing about Wonder Woman was that they made a perfectly mediocre superhero movie like all of the other ones. You know? It's like, congrats. Like, like that's almost parody. Like, you don't even have to. If we could just, the, when we get to yeah. the point where we can admit that Wonder Woman is just okay, like, everything else is just okay, I feel like that will be the moment of real triumph. Yeah, the Marvel movies really freak me out, too, because if you think about it, it means, like, every nine months, they will come out, what, every nine months? Yeah. Like, something in the galaxy actively wants to kill everybody on Earth for nothing that we ever did, but just they have a, they have a grudge against one guy, or there's a rock somewhere. The idea that we're always close to disaster, and it, like, just comes down to, like, Tony Stark making a joke and, like, not screwing it up or whatever, like, the idea that the universe hates us that much. You know, it's kind of like how you think about that the fact that Mother Nature is actively trying to kill us, I feel like, right now. I feel like she's just trying to shake us off. Yeah, you know, like, yeah. like a wet dog or something, just being like, I'm over, <laughs> these, I'm over these people. Like, that's the universe that the Marvel movies have set up. We are always on the brink of disaster for nothing we did but these larger-than-life people around us. Like, the first Transformers movie, there's, like, a real specific... There's, like, an artifact on Earth that is, like, related to Shia LaBeouf's character, and, like, they have to come to Earth to get it. But then there are four other movies where it's, like, again, humankind depends on another thing on Earth, and and three of them are Shia LaBeouf related. It's just like, like everything in the galaxy comes down to Shia LaBeouf like three different times. And you're just like, what? Like, there's not like, okay, we've got the Earth thing, and like, but there's something over here. It just, he's you know, special. Just, he's yeah. the chosen one. Which also, uh, with Transformers specifically, I'm very sick of them blowing up Chicago. I'm from Glen Ellen, Illinois. And uh, Transform, yeah, woo. And Transformers <laughs> three with Shia LaBeouf, Chicago was destroyed. And then Transformers 4, new protagonist, new other stuff, Chicago also destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> it just, somehow they blew it up, rebuilt it completely, and blew it up again with new alien motherships built by cars. I don't like it. I think Michigan Avenue is beautiful. Leave it alone, you know? But doesn't Bobby. it feel like they should be going to Detroit, to like the head of the auto industry, if they're going to wipe out any town in America? Yeah, the Transformers hometown, probably. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I like Detroit, and I'm not, not wishing ill upon them. I have relatives there, but, like, I mean, that seems, like, obvious. You should raise that one first. What if yeah. that's where they did all live, in Detroit? <laughs> that's just, like, just, like, cars turning into robots, turning back into cars, just yeah. everywhere. Uh, I hear there's a really good art scene now. <laughs> like, like, oh. Looking at Craigslist, like, this is very reasonable. Remember, <laughs> remember sure this neighborhood before all the Transformers movies? <laughs> Moved in and opened coffee shops and artisanal bagel places. Oh. I would love that if that was the sixth Transformers movie. <laughs> just, just, just Transformers like, Age of the Gentrification. The Decepticons. <laughs> they're like, well, we're not going to destroy Earth, so let's gentrify Detroit. <laughs> like, what a right turn this franchise took. <laughs> it's just like... Like just Megatron like, would have a little hipster mustache. The handlebar like, mustache, yeah. 
we're all, we're all at a turtle wax. They're waxing their mustaches Just with it. Sound wave like opens up like a crystal shop. It's <laughs> like, what? Come on, man. Yeah. We'd finally see a car riding a fixie bicycle. How does that even work? It's gonna break it. Uh, <laughs> I love that all of our references are from like 2012. <laughs> like not even modern. No, no, no. Fixies and PBR. American Spirit cigarettes. They're all listening to Gautier. <laughs> I'm current. Support for today's show comes from Audible. Audiobooks are great for helping you be a better you, whether you want to feel healthier, get motivated, or learn something new. And with an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more, Audible has all the audio content you need to start your year on the right foot. And hey, I've got some audiobook tips for you, because I don't know if you know Jason Pargin, who writes for the site as David Wong. He also is a best-selling novelist as David Wong, and his latest book, What the Hell Did I Just Read?, narrated by Stephen R. Thorne, is right there on Audible for you. Read one of the best authors around, who also writes for Cracked, and I get to talk to the guy. You can hear his work right now. Because whether it's on your phone, through your car, from a tablet, or at home on an Amazon Echo, you can get tons of books while doing almost anything. And Audible even lets you switch seamlessly between devices, picking up exactly where you left off in, say, the works of David Wong of Cosmic Horror. Or whatever else you'd like to read. It's a big world out there. Get into it by starting a 30-day trial, and your first audiobook is free. And Audible even lets you switch seamlessly between devices, picking up exactly where you left off. So start a 30-day trial and get your first audiobook free by going to audible.com cracked or texting the word cracked to 500-500. That's audible.com cracked or text cracked to 500-500 for a 30-day trial and free first audiobook. You can do it with Audible. Support for today's show comes from Squarespace. Hey, you listen to the Cracked Podcast. You must know about the internet. You must be a really neat person. I don't have to be Sherlock Holmes to put that together, because you're great, and you ought to have a website to show it off. With beautiful templates created by world-class designers, Squarespace makes it easy to turn your idea into a new and unique website. You can customize everything about that site, from its look and feel, to its settings and products, and the whole site will be optimized for mobile right out of the box. I can't tell people enough. Phones are how people look at the internet now. You want your site to work in that space, and if you have a Squarespace site, it will. You can also use Squarespace's analytics to help you grow your site in real time. There's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. And if you do have a question, Squarespace's award-winning 24-7 customer support is there to help. Destiny is calling. It says you need a new website. So make it with Squarespace. You can head to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code CRACKED to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That is squarespace.com, offer code CRACKED. Amy brought up Harry Potter, and there's a lot of in-universe things about Harry Potter that are magic-based and weird, like how technology never advances. But you also brought up something that is I think pretty specific to like that jump forward at the end of Deathly Hallows, right? Yeah, the one that bothers me the most, besides the fact that I really wish that Neville had wound up being the most powerful one, I was like really hoping Ooh. for that the whole time. The one that really just bothers me is the fact that like the Harry Potter world takes it for granted that 
you're just going to marry the person you had a crush on when you were 13 and that you're going to have kids with them. And like, that's just a given. And that's the way life is supposed to proceed. <laughs> and like, that really messes with me. Cause I remember being 13 and having that in my mind, not even necessarily from Harry Potter films, but like other movies where it's just your high school boyfriend has to be the love of your life. And every time I flash back to who I was dating in high school and how too hard I tried to make it work because I had this idea that your best romance is that one. It makes me so just nervous. It makes me really anxious. And like if I had to marry the guy who I thought was even cute when I was 13, no guy would date me when I was 13. But if I had to marry the guy that I thought had like a crush on, yeah. I mean, my God, what a nightmare. Like I look him up on <laughs> Facebook and it was just terrifying. Like it's really terrifying to me. So I feel like it's emotionally unhealthy. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with that. And I feel like when I go back and rewatch like 80s, 90s, like high school movies or, t you know, any high school movie where it's like, oh, they got together in the end and it's like all triumphant. And you're like, in real life, I mean, it's great they're together and maybe spend some time together. But in real life, you, you wouldn't be rooting for them to be together forever. Yeah, you know? I wish or, like, every movie came with that disclaimer where they jump 50 years in the future, you know, yeah. and you have to see, like, are they fighting over, like, the kids and who got the house and, like, how did the divorce go? I have this feeling that if you went to Harry Potter's house for dinner when he's, like, 50, it's going to be so boring because he doesn't have any really new friends and he's just got the same insular world. Like, they're swapping stories from when they were 14 till the end of time because they never opened up their friend group to anybody oh. new. Because, right, like it, like you say, you'd go to Harry Potter's house when he's 50 and you'd be like, did I tell you about when I caught the snitch in sports? And be like, yeah, you, you did so many times. Harry Potter is Al Bundy, but English. <laughs> <laughs> Al Bundy caught four touchdowns in one game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is Harry Potter like know that he peaked, you know, in t in his teen years, and he tries to move on, and you know, like an artist or something who like, like tries another project, and he's like, you know, I have a business now, or like I have a record label or something, like that. <laughs> and it's just like, label. oh, right, you want to talk about it? it's the 40th anniversary of like the Voldemort fight or something? Hear, like, Hear me out. I guess I'll do this to promote like what I'm doing now, but I kind of don't want to talk about this, you know, like one of those kind of things. Let's right? imagine like, he's tied to it forever. Harry Potter grows up to be Michael Caine in Hannah and Her Sisters. Wow. And so he's like pining over this woman and has to dump whoever his wife is. Who's, who does he marry at the end of the... Oh, Which I think Jenny Wisley, right? Jenny okay, Weasley. sure. So what if he dumps her and is like, I want to get with Barbara Hershey. I feel like there's, there's a really bleak like relationship drama about his midlife crisis is what I'm saying. Yeah, because if he ever, ever, ever broke up with Ginny Weasley, it would break apart his best friendship. It would mm -hmm. break apart everything. It would be like a bomb in the middle of his domestic life. Oh my God, this is another great but, idea for a movie. <laughs> but then if he doesn't break up with her, it's like this tension that like weighs on their whole yeah. situation the whole time, right? I mean, maybe they're happy, but like, I don't know. They probably have. How could they be, really? I mean, I can anybody know. be happy that How long? How can any of us I be happy? <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. Because with Potter, at least when there's magical things happening or crazy things happen, like, I'm primed for it because we're in castles with owls and magic trains, you know. Dan, you picked out Liar Liar as a movie that it's just about Jim Carrey being a lawyer, right? And then there's the obvious magic of he, he can't tell lies. But uh, there's also, like, more to it. Yeah. <laughs> It's the movie everyone's talking about all of the time. All, it's just, yes. You can't, can't go anywhere without people saying, there are no problems with the narrative in Liar Liar. Right? <laughs> I'm just like, just, God, this conversation again. Um, but no, I, I, I feel like that's kind of a proxy for a lot of movies uh, then and in the 2000s that where like a little magical thing happens, but it's, 
it's all about like a family and how it affects the family and it's a, about real life family relationships and being a good dad and being a good husband and you know the kid and your your job versus your family and all this stuff and in real in in the reality of liar liar the kid has godlike powers he does a godlike thing and Right, because isn't it like his birthday wish is... His birthday wish is my dad cannot lie for 24 hours, and it works. And Jim Carrey like realizes he physically can't lie and then figures it out. And his reaction isn't, you know, holy shit, like magic is real and my son is a god. He's like, like, oh, sport, I got to win this case, so undo that wish so I can go back to lying. And it's like they like brush past... The biggest reveal in human history right. that like magic is in fact real. Your son <laughs> might control it. And, like he's some sort of like chosen one who can like yeah. control human it's minds. Like a, like like a boss toddler. Some, or something. Yeah, a boss yeah. toddler. <laughs> and then the end of the movie, uh, it, it wears off after 24 hours. The family gets back together. And then the last line in the movie is like a throwaway joke where like he makes another wish and the lights come up and the hus- Jim Carrey and his wife are like kissing and he's like did you wish for us to get back together? And he's like, no, I wished for like a toy or something like that. And so it, it, it's like played as a joke. But the whole rest of their life, they're going to not know what their kid is controlling <laughs> and what they're not. You know, this kid might have he's magic da- powers. He's Damien he's, from The Omen. Yeah, he's like this, <laughs> this puppet master that they're at the mercy of for the rest of their lives. Like, does this kid now have a moral responsibility to like use his powers <laughs> to help the world? Or he's just like, yeah. one wish for the not lying and then back to nothing for the rest of his life or something. It's a yeah. hard choice for the parents to decide if they smother their child while he <laughs> sleeps or not because, you know, that's too much power for any one child to have. Do, does he have, like, a moral obligation to, like, try to wish for, like, good in the world to happen now that we know he has this, like, power? Or can he just affect his dad? Or was this a one-time thing ever? And the kid is just the rest of his life going to be like, what the hell was that? Or, I mean, the <laughs> fact that the parents, when he becomes a teenager, like, teenagers are always wishing their parents would die. Like, he has actual powers where they have to be so nice to him when he grows up. I mean, it's kind of nerve-wracking. Also, if he only gets that one wish, what if he grows up and he thinks, like, that was the stupidest wish? Like, when I was yeah. five, I could have wished for anything. I could have uh-huh. wished for, like, bazillions of dollars. I wished I could have wished I'd grow up to be, like, a football player, and I wasted it on making my dad become a better person, like, temporarily. <laughs> <laughs> what a waste. <laughs> like, marginally better, like, for a day. He's not, like, he's still kind of shitty and, like, lies all the time. That's another movie where, like, the dad character meets, like, clears the lowest bar imaginable for like being a decent human and we like have to applaud him for it you know like it's just like the wife and her new boyfriend is like super nice and you know loves the kid and everything and then we're still supposed to root for Jim Carrey because he's able to not be a total piece of shit for like 10 minutes at the end of the movie yeah that's such a trope of like the potential stepdad who's not the main character being objectively kind of fine, and we're supposed to hate them. We're supposed to be so mad yeah, at what they're doing. Yeah, he does the claw worse than Jim Carrey. So it's like, <laughs> fuck you. Yeah. Wait, what's the claw? I don't remember. It's like Jim Carrey and the kid have this, like, intimate, he's like, I got the claw, and they, like, play. Oh, it's like a bit, yeah. And okay, then at yeah, the yeah. end, the like, Carrie Elways, who's the guy, is like, I have the claw, and he's, like, pretty lame <laughs> at it. 
And so it's like, ooh, I hope this guy dies. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> the movie is just That's like, what his wish, his wish should have yeah. been to kill Carrie Elways. Yeah. <laughs> I just wish my stepdad yeah. would explode. Did you kill your stepdad? It's just like all I had no choice. Laughs. I had no choice, Mom. Yeah. <laughs> he had to go. But it just, is there, I mean, are there many movies where, like, the woman in the relationship is held to, like, that low of a standard? It's always this, like, frantic guy no. who's like, whoa, he's, and he totally sucks, and then it's like, he does okay at the end, and we're like, well done, guy. Like, you're a good dad. You, like, made your son's birthday once after a year of magic. Yeah, I'm trying to think of one. There's Trainwreck, where Amy Schumer is a, does yeah. a cheerleading act, and then yeah. now she gets to marry a rich doctor. Yeah, that's all like, she does. But is that's she like, does a dance at the end, and yeah, that's like that's true. that absolves her of all of her crimes. Speaking of the high school relationships, that's an, that's another one where are we supposed to be happy for them at the end of Trainwreck? No, because she should have been with John Cena. I mean, like so clearly, like I get really <laughs> mad at that movie when she breaks up with John Cena when she's having sex with John Cena, who's fluent in Chinese and is demonstrating it to her, is so cool and strong and tough, and she's like, "This isn't working for me." Like it's terrible. Like it makes no sense. Like I mean, Bill Hader is a very lovely person. Here we are in a temple of comedy, and he's an Oklahoman, and I went to school in Oklahoma, and I shouldn't say anything bad about him, but I would date John Cena in a heartbeat. Like it's the dumbest choice. <laughs> You know, she's promiscuous, and that's, like, her lifestyle. Like, and at the end, she's like, I'm going to try this once. And are we supposed to be happy that they got together or expect that they will just be, like, together and monogamous for the rest of their lives? And is that good? Like, she did a dance. Yeah. That's all she needed to do. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I mean, not to, like, totally rag on Trainwreck the whole time, but... What I really hate about that movie is every time she's, like, having sex with somebody, she just looks really miserable and, like, she can't wait for it to end. You know, if this is like a woman who's like enjoying sleeping around at the beginning, she's always like, she looks so bored every time. She looks mad that it's happening. Like, it's almost like it's yeah. happening to her against her will. Like, she's possessed by a body orc or something, and it's like walking her around and like <laughs> making her go home with people, and she hates it. I like, think we should probably dark. stop talking yeah. about this movie at UCB because Judd Apatow will come out of a trap <laughs> door and kill all of us. Another movie is uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Who Framed Roger Rabbit? is a movie where, uh, who's seen it? Who knows it? Yeah, people love it. It's a world where we have humans and cartoons coexisting. Oh, amazing. Except the cartoons are, as far as I can tell, functionally immortal. Like, they never die, and they can only be killed if they're dipped in a specific vat of stuff. And that's freaky, right? Like, that means humans... It's like a Terminator movie. Like, humans built Skynet and it destroys us. Like, humans built a far more powerful uh, species in, in the form of cartoons. <laughs> like, they're so strong and, and uh, able to be, you know, squeezed like cartoon characters and so on. That's the worst thing I could think of happening. Well, to that's why we created a ghetto for them to live in. <laughs> yeah, we forced them into yeah. Toontown because we couldn't control them. Right, we're district nining them. Yes, uh, exactly. Yeah, yes. Yeah, it's great. very similar to that. <laughs> But right, isn't it like it's a prequel to a, a Terminator movie, except it would be cartoons uh, avenging themselves. Yeah, they accidentally unleashed something super powerful on the world. Or all the, I guess in, the, in Roger Rabbit, the cartoons just exist. I think they just exist. Like, I don't think humans created them, right? They like... I get, yeah, kind, I guess so. Like, they use them in movies, but like, they exist on their own. A really terrifying detail that we, uh, we noticed uh, in a Cracked article, we pointed this out, where th they dip like a couple... 
uh, of the cartoons into this, it's called The Dip, and it like erases them from existence. But then at the end of the movie, Bob Hoskins, who's the Eddie, Eddie Valiant character, he does this like wacky vaudeville dance that kills the weasels through laughter. They like, it makes them laugh so hard they die. But when the weasels die, they keel over and like a cartoon angel version of themselves playing a harp goes up to like heaven. But one of the weasels gets dropped into the dip and just disappears and there's no angel. That cartoon not only was killed, but went to cartoon fucking hell. <laughs> like, there's like a cartoon hell that exists well, in Roger Rabbit. Because he like, masturbated. Yeah. <laughs> not supposed to like, do that. They're literally, not. it's sad enough they're like murdering cartoons, but also they're like damning a couple of them. Like, or, or they're in some weird limbo because they don't turn into angels and go to heaven. Unbelievably dark for wow, a kid. Well, I wonder if the cartoons even go to heaven or if they're just like at the top of the ceiling, like floating around right. because they're still <laughs> cartoons. Oh, yeah, probably, right? Maybe they don't go anywhere. Maybe they can just keep hanging out as cartoons. Yeah. That's <laughs> but you've got me like, curious now about how they got to exist <laughs> if there is no grand illustrator, like if nobody illustrated them or if there was one that we never got to meet or like. Maybe there's, you know, if we jump back 100,000 years to the boss baby time, there's like cavemen, <laughs> there's like primitive oxen living around, like wandering around, like cartoon oxen from, from cave oh. paintings. Yeah, it's like, or like uh, Land Before Time dinosaurs, and uh, it's just every, everything from the distant past, we just have the cartoon version too. Yeah, <laughs> just like some like proto, like, it looks a little like Roger Rabbit, but not quite. He's like a little hairier and like... <laughs> I think the cartoons do procreate, though, because the, ba the, the rude, vulgar baby is constantly making sex jokes about Jessica Rabbit. Mm -hmm. So I think he must have you know, all his parts and can do his business if necessary. That is, if people haven't seen that movie, it's, I think it's one of the best movies ever made. I really do think it's a great yeah. movie. Except for how terrifying it yeah, is. Yeah, it is terrifying. The part, really there's a part where there's a little cartoon shoe, and it is the saddest thing in the history of movies. It is the, it is the scariest scene I've ever seen in a movie, where they kill this little cartoon shoe, and I don't know why that's in a kid's movie. Yeah, it's awful. because it whimpers before they it kill it. Like it curls up its shoe it slowly. And, it's really scary and sad. It still makes me sad <laughs> thinking about it. Don't but start crying in front of I'm us, I'm going to start crying. You're a grown-up. Yeah. Come on. Any, any, it, get it together. Any, any true man cries at that scene in Roger Rabbit, <laughs> I've always believed. Yes. We can, uh, we're getting to the time when if you guys have any movies you want to throw in or bring up where they have a crazy, crazy canon or plot or there's a character that nobody noticed is, is just terrifying, there's a, a mic over there you can go ahead and line up and, and uh, bring it up to us and we'll talk about it. It'll be a good time. I do want to bring up another movie that, like Roger Rabbit, I think it washed over me as a kid, which is Labyrinth. And Labyrinth has spooky parts to it, because, uh, you know, there's a kid kidnapped by goblins and so on. Uh, but there's also low-key stuff in the canon of it where it seems like this has been happening forever. Jareth has all these goblins around him that were probably babies at some point, and then Hoggle sees Sarah coming and says he's seen brighter people come through, and then there's a bridge guard who says that the bridge he's guarding has lasted a thousand years. So I think Jareth has been kidnapping children for like over a millennium. Because I watched the movie and kind of just thought, oh, it's this one baby who's been caught and maybe there were a couple other babies. You know, it's not clear why he wants babies totally. Well, that's similar to like the Monsters, Inc. thing you were talking about where like totally off screen there are families being 
devastated and like ruined irreparably. Yeah, yeah. And people blame, like probably blaming each other and like parents blaming each other and looking for the real killer. And you know, <laughs> yeah. it's like there's all these investigations that go nowhere or they like pin it on some random guy. And like all of that is just not, it's just implied in the movie. It's like. Why didn't OJ use this defense? Yeah, <laughs> the goblin that defense. Been, or Scott Peterson. <laughs> yeah. Wow. The goblin defense. Yes. <laughs> the goblin stole the coal. That's dark. Need I I'm refer sorry. you to People v. Bowie? <laughs> it's just like, the guy uh, with the cod piece. It was him. Yeah. He's the real killer. Yeah. Ever since the Supreme Court upheld the labyrinth defense, it's just they just keep whipping it out for every case. Like the Everyone's Twinkie like, defense, oh, but it's yeah. labyrinth. Yeah. I love it. I mean, my favorite thing about labyrinth is just it makes a really strong point about not hoarding things. You know, it's like an anti-hoarder movie because like the the witch comes, but oh, the one who yeah. like yells at her and she's like, "You need to stop holding on to all of your hoarding stuff. You need to like let go of all your toys." Right. And it's like very proto Marie Kondo, very like clean in your house. <laughs> and I love that. Like I really love that. Like I, it satisfies me in this deep way because clutter freaks me out. Yeah, like, I find it really calming. Like I could just watch that scene on repeat because I think it's such a good message to tell kids. Do you love the scene in Little Mermaid where he comes and destroys all of her artifacts <laughs> from like? Yeah, she's been. <laughs> Saving like a fork for no reason, like yeah. one bent fork. It's all it's ridiculous. I will say there's there's few things in the movies that are like more pleasant than when they do like a cleaning montage, right? <laughs> Where it's just like the garbage house oh. and then it's like montage, montage, uh-huh. and then they like they're like, ah, and it's clean, and you're just like, ah, oh, thank Nothing's you. Nothing's like, better than in Fantasia when all the mops start dancing. Because yeah. <laughs> that floor is spotless. <laughs> it's like the, the pleasantness of like cleaning your own house without having to do anything, and yeah. it's real fast. Yeah. Like the know, revenge it, like, of the nerd. When they when yeah. they make their new house, when they totally. clean it all up and they paint it and like everything yeah. and they get rid of the trash in the yard, like it's yeah. wonderful. Like it's cool <laughs> when they have parties and stuff and like have jokes and then do horrible things at the end. But yeah, like I, just to watch that cleaning part on rewind is almost the best yeah, part of just, the film. It ticks some little spot in the back of your brain. You're like, yeah, ah, you guys do we are have fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> You want to watch people clean in movies? Just a quick scene, and you see the before and after. It's total garbage, and it's like pristine in like a minute. You know it's what's great. cool in movies? Car chases. What's <laughs> wrong with you? <laughs> 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 Philistines. Oh, I love a good cleaning montage. Chimney Christmas. <laughs> Get out of here, Jeeves. I like action, too. Oh, <laughs> Just boy. also like cleaning, cleaning montage. Yeah, what if there's like a fast movie where they were driving the car, but somebody was in the back like picking up all the cigarette butts and the old like water bottles at the same time? So great. They're about to do the chase, and it's like, ooh, we got to get this car cleaned up. <laughs> Who's with me, guys? And the whole team, like, gets, like, cleaning utensils, and it's, you know, ding, ding, ding. They ding, do a car wash, like, and yeah, they, they like, vacuum it out, and then it's sparkling for a charity. at the end. It's great. Yeah. Oh, boy. I love that. <laughs> well, you've got me thinking about how, you know, how every car scene, they drive through a crate of oranges for some reason. Yeah. Like, yeah. every time there's any sort of city driving car scene, it's always, like, the crate of apples or the crate of oranges, some sort of fruit. I would love to see what happens when, like, the poor shopkeeper just clean it up afterwards. Like, yeah. I want to watch them like, pick up all the oranges. I guess that's a really pitiful image, but they keep destroying all these people's livelihoods. Well, they, and it looks like it takes so much work to, like, put it back together. Yeah. And if they just aimed the car, like, a foot to the left, like, it wouldn't have happened. And, like, they'd be, they're, they're mad. And I think they have a right to be heard. Owned fruit salesman yeah. out of business. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I find those things really callous, and they make me mad at a character, even if I know I'm supposed to they, be happy. But you gotta get the job done sometimes, okay? <laughs> they, you gotta drive through a crate. 
because I think of Indiana Jones and also James Bond movies. Like they constantly do the destroy crates or carts of fruit thing. Like I, I feel like orchard owners really hate those guys. Yeah. Like it's anybody who owns an orchard, it's like, okay, here's your tips. Uh, these are how to handle the seasons. These are how to plant. Watch out for spies and archaeologists. They're real bad. <laughs> They're gonna wreck your stuff. Their margins are so tight. Like one crate gets destroyed. Right. It's just like no. It's <laughs> just like been farming all summer. Yeah. It's just like. I think they're, I, I don't know if that's an usher lined up or, or someone with a thing they want to pitch. Uh, oh, oh, oh here he comes. Here he comes, oh, my man. Yeah, my name is Hunter. Um, hey, my Hunter. friends and I were talking about the Truman Show today and would love to hear what you think about the movie. I, I think the movie does a really good job of tying up a lot of the loose ends. Like, people are protesting outside and they're like, this is crazy. And the outside of the world of the movie, people think it's crazy. But what government would let this crazy shit happen. You know, like that's really <laughs> yeah. what I'm curious about. Well, it's, I was just going to say, certainly not a government that elected a reality show person as a president. <laughs> right. <Ooh. laughs> I mean, this is another kind of problematic movie, too, where they are, in a way, sexually assaulting Jim Carrey, right? He is having sex with a wife that he thinks is his wife, and... They're totally oh, lying yeah. to wow, him. Wow, no consent. You're right. Yeah, he just they're just like, this is your wife. And he's just like, okay, like, I guess, like, I'm married. You know, it's completely under false pretenses. He is like, Oof. yeah, they're kind of taking advantage of him in ways that are not really legal. Yeah, because if he was religious and, like, wanted to wait for marriage and he didn't know he wasn't really married. Yeah, there's all kinds of ways yeah. in which that is, like, not really. They lie to him so elaborately. It's like. At the same time, could... Truman is very tidy. Yeah. So <laughs> there's that. That's true. I'm Phil. Hey, Phil. Hey, Phil. Uh, jumping off way back with the Emoji movie. <laughs> yes. Another computer movie, Tron Legacy. Hell yes. yeah, I love that movie. So, I... A, Coliseum fights. What? And two, what's that about getting the girl out of the movie, or out of the computer, and then going to use her and her DNA to save the entire world? Yeah. Okay, so you're talking about Quora. Yes. Yes, okay. So he's not trying to necessarily get her out to, to save the world. One, they're in love. Oh. And two, uh, because her, her kind is oppressed. Yeah, but also then you talk about the, 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 the fights to the death in the Colosseum. That's just established in the world of Tron in the first movie. You know, there are games and they fight each other and that's their program. They are programmed Isn't, to fight. Aren't they like convicted of wrongdoing and they're sentenced to the games in yes, some form. The, game, the games so were not, like, in the first one, it was not a coliseum, uh, so to speak, in the way mm -hmm. that it is in, where Clue is like kidnapping people or arresting people and making Yeah, because they get sentenced to the games and they're like, no, like one guy kills himself. Yeah. So I think it's yeah. like punitive. So it's like, even though it's brutal in that world, I think it's like seen as like, it's entertainment, but they like are prisoners or, you know, the equivalent. What do we like, know about their justice system? I mean, I we have know. no <laughs> idea how... <laughs> Well, oh. the messed up thing is that Jeff Bridges designed it to be that way. Yeah. Right, because it, it is the text of the movie, but it's like, it's fascinating that it's, it's our world, but computers need, like, Roman emperor entertainment, where, like, they fight each other to the death for themselves. Like, what a terrible world. Like, our world, yeah. we have tech people who just build stuff, you know, and it just operates. Yeah, Isn't they, that they Yeah, every us? tech billionaire we have is the nicest person. <laughs> That's true, yeah. <laughs> they programmed some weird, like, bloodlust into the 
pre-programmed crowd yeah. that like yeah. wants to see like death. That's kind of bizarre. <laughs> we don't actually have like literal billionaires trying to drink the blood of young people because yeah. it's going to keep them young and then bringing down media empires. In that world, all new software is like, okay, so it's Microsoft Word. It does documents and then it lets you do invitations and also it has a bloodlust. It yeah. needs <laughs> to see pain. It has to feed. It needs to, yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> That, th that paper clip is just fucking deviant, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, think we, I think we have one more person with a suggestion and time for one more. Thank you, Phil, cool. by the way. Give Thanks a round so of applause for Phil. Yeah, give a round I'm of applause to Phil. Yeah. So my friend and oh, I what, were, What's your name, too? Yeah. Uh, Esteban. Esteban, hey. Uh, my friend and I were actually talking about uh, Jumanji the other day, and just a couple of really weird implications. Yeah. Like, towards the end of the movie, for example, uh, or at the end of the movie, Alan and Sarah go back in time yeah. But they, they still have all of their memories. So do they have to now live with like the traumatic experiences like Alan living in the jungle alone by himself <laughs> for 20 years, 30 yeah, years, something like time. that? Yeah. Like Enough a ridiculous time. Yeah. And then also, what are the implications of like board games? Because that was a board game that, that's existed for centuries. And, <laughs> but it's also magic. So are all board games based on older versions that like suck you in yeah yeah like operation is like you're a you're a cadaver and people cut <laughs> into you it's cool <laughs> so, so there were like ancient real board games and like the new ones are just like copy, copying off of that like there are magic ones or something like again do they have like an ethical responsibility to like avert tragedies that they now know about from the year you know 1996 or whatever they have like oh. 20 years of knowledge. My God. Can they like stop the Challenger flight? Or will that, <laughs> you know, like, or will that like mess up society in ways that they can't even imagine? And then that will mess up them getting to Jumanji in the first place? Oh, let's talk about a little movie called The Butterfly Effect. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that, yeah, woo. There you go. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't mess with the past, man. Come on, that's crazy. I will say, so I've always wanted to move into Candyland. Like, if, if we really could go into any board game, like, if Candyland had this ancient talismanic power if it came from the world of like what's early candy like hard lemon drops or I think they actually they exist on Candyland what's the earliest candy like Turkish Delight or something like, where there's original because like, my grandma uh, yeah. had it wax yeah. Yeah. they just say yeah. like wax until like yeah. 19, until like 1960 <laughs> yeah the Neanderthals I mean I guess honey was like the original candy so like yeah, if Neanderthals yeah. had like a Honeyland board game and you could go into different honeycombs and stuff and then it became this thing where I could go in and Esteban and we could go in and we could have a really great time like yeah. that would be my dream movie I love how Honeyland is like one square. Like, <laughs> well, we're done. <laughs> Folks, that is the episode for this week. My thanks to Dan Hopper, Dave Schilling, Amy Nicholson, and our live audience for overthinking movies in a way that makes me appreciate the entire medium more. And man, ever since I started reading Cracked, every movie I see is now an opportunity for finding amazing sneaky stuff, you know, for finding out that being alive is more interesting than I thought it was. I hope we can bring that fun into your own movie viewing life. I also hope you'll check out our food notes because you will find Amy's incredible Earwolf podcast about movies, The Canon, um, Dan's film writing for Cracked, Dave's extended deep cut dive on the Emoji Movie and its totalitarian world, also, at one point in the show, Amy joked offhand about rich tech moguls consuming our blood to gain our strength. 
and that was a funny reference to a very real thing. We are footnoting a Vanity Fair story about actual companies giving their tech billionaire customers transfusions of younger people's blood. There's no science that says it helps make them younger or more powerful, and they're spending thousands of dollars to do it anyway. Isn't that neat? Oh, this world. And hey, that live show we just did was fun, right? A lot, a lot of good vibes in the room. Well, we got another one for you soon. We are back at UCB Sunset on April 14th with a show about bizarre celebrity origins because it turns out they're all insane. The origins, not the people. They're fine. Tickets go on sale next week. Mark your calendars in the meantime. And as far as this episode goes, our theme music is Chicago Falcon by the Budos Band. Our episode was engineered by Mary Kelly and edited by Chris Souza. If you love this episode, that's great. If you hated it, let me know about it on social media. That's right, social media. The place where I'm, I'm sure somebody's posting the Boss Baby fanfiction you're looking for. You can find it. You can also find my Twitter account at Alex Schmitty, and I'm on the wider internet at my website, alexschmitty.com. You'll find a newsletter and my show dates and everything else. And I'm happy to say we will be back next week with more Cracked Podcasts. So how about that? Talk to you then. This has been an Earwolf production, executive produced by Scott Ackerman, Chris Bannon, and Colin Anderson. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. Earwolf.